Well, good morning, beloved. Good morning. I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. We are in the second week of Advent. Our Advent series is titled uh, Almost Christmas. And this, this series is very strategic, my friends. You see, our pastors, our staff, want you to close that gap between having an almost Christmas and an all-together Christmas. And for some of us, it might be a huge chasm. An almost Christmas is focused on a cultural celebration, missing out on the deep realities of what God wants us to have during this time of year. And a lot of times it is busy schedules and overspending, overextending, Credit, calendar, physical well-being, overcome with worry and details. And Jesus' ways and practices maybe get slid in a corner somewhere. But an altogether Christmas has Jesus at the, the center of the joy of the celebration. It's an invitation to slow down, to remember, to celebrate, to experience love and joy and peace and hope, and to give God and others the greatest gift, the gift of ourselves. Ponder the word almost for a moment. Put it in a sentence. I almost graduated. I almost took a shower. I almost changed the oil in my car. I almost got on the treadmill. Almost indicates that something is momentary or incomplete or something we can attempt to do on ourselves, but we fall short or we don't have it at all. Now consider the word altogether. It implies depth and sustainability and completion or wholeness. And when you apply that word altogether to your Christian life, you can see the deep realities of what God has. And God's excited about doing a work, a work in you and seeing that work come all together. Completion. It's dynamically taking that work and displaying it. Today we're going to look at an all-together hope and how to have that. Not an almost hope. It's a tragic line. Isn't it? Think about it. I almost have hope. It makes your heart sink into your stomach hearing that. With God's help, we have to shake out of that, my friends. We need a complete and abiding hope to live within us for the benefit of our psyche and our souls. We sometimes, I think, confuse hope with wishful thinking. And we make trite statement using, statements using the word hope. When we're in a hurry, we're like, hey, wow, man, I hope I don't get a ticket here roaming the streets of Anderson Township. I hope that there's decent coffee at the office today. I hope that there'll be snow, or I hope that there'll be no snow, period. I hope I don't get sick. I hope we can get together with friends and families. I hope the Bengals win and the Steelers lose. I hope the Ohio State Buckeyes make the college football playoffs. I hope this pastor has a short sermon. Wishes in many ways, those kinds of, of little hopes are focused on self. We rub the lamp. We wish for something to benefit us. 
A wish is for something that will make our lives more comfortable or exciting. And we're wishing for things that will improve our well-being of our circle of family and friends. A wish is really an almost hope. It's an incomplete thing. An altogether hope, it stretches beyond self, beyond our closely knit tight circles, and expands to focus on the well-being of all, including our relationship with God and other people's relationship with God. An altogether hope is a hope for all people. A complete hope is contagious as well. It is. An altogether hope spreads and goes out from us. And let's be honest, a hope for all people is not an easy kind of hope. When we think about the Christian perspective of hope, we begin to see that, that hope is communal in nature, my friends. Hope can impact multitudes around us. As followers in the way of Jesus, we're called to love God, love neighbor, and even our enemy. Hope calls us to desire that all people would, would, would live into God's potential for their reality. In striving and fully loving God, neighbor and enemy, God desires to bring an altogether hope that longs for the best of all, including yourself, my friends. We need to speak hope to each other as well. When I'm in the midst of confusion, despair, chaos, conflict, I need the presence of hopeful people. When I'm down, your sense of hope might just be the thing that lifts me up. In the Christmas stories of the Gospels, we encounter uh, angelic visits. Each one is so hopeful, and it usually begins with the word, do not fear. And maybe that's what we discover as a launch pad into hope. You see, perfect love, and I believe also hope, casts out fear from us. The angel would say, do not fear, and then share amazing, hopeful, good news to those agents of change who were human beings. The shepherds told anyone who would listen. Mary ran to Elizabeth. It changed Joseph's mind. And waves of hope rushed out from them, my friends. And when we experience hope, when we see hope in action, we must tell others. So how do we begin to grab a hold of this altogether hope? I believe one person at this time of year helps us, and that is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was probably one of the most wonder-filled and hope-filled people in the Bible. And God had a message for her. And God handpicked Gabriel to go to her. And the Christmas story of hope begins with that angelic visit to Mary. Let's look at Luke 1, 26-27. In the sixth month Mary's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, to a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the king of David. Think about it. This young teenage Mary probably had hopes and dreams for her life. But she was young, and her whole life was ahead of her. She was engaged to this righteous man named Joseph, and in her mind's eye, she had this preferred future. But that's where this angel came in 
and broke into her, her existence. Luke 1, 28-30, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what an angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. And Mary's like, what? Man, this is strange. The Lord is with me. I'm not in trouble. This is great news. But even better, the Lord is happy with me and what I'm doing in my life. And here, what we have. Johnny, tell her what she's won. He says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him over the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Whoa. Can you imagine Mary? Hold the phone. I'm guessing this kingdom ruling uh, stuff went right over her head. It pro she probably went right into thinking about what? I'm going to conceive a child? Wait a minute. I'm engaged. I'm a virgin and I live in a world where having sex before marriage is almost a capital crime if you're engaged. What angel are you talking about? You've left out some very important details. So listen to what Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he'll be called Son of God. Now we have the advantage of knowing the backstory here. We know that the Son of God is Jesus, but Mary didn't fully conceptualize this in her brain. And the angel gives her a miraculous sign. 36 through 37, it says, What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Listen to how Mary responds to this. And it gives us a lesson in hope. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Does that sound familiar? Just a couple weeks ago, we read similar words about Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will be done, but yours be done. And just like Mary surrendered to the reality of what God was asking her to do was for the greater good for all. And Mary said this, May this become true. Your will be done. Now that's hope. When we say your will be done, I believe hope increases in us. It permeates our existence and we become contagious for the Lord. And if you were in Mary's shoes, what would you have done? Let me ask you a question here or produce a statement. What hope keeps you, from, keeps you going through this when the storms of life are blowing? You see, the storms of life are going to blow. Confusion, like with Mary, and disturbance are going to come. And there's going to be times when we ask, why is this happening to me? That's life. You won't face the same situation that Mary faced, but you will face storms in life. You'll face uncertainty. And God will ask you to step out of your comfort zone. 
While an altogether hope reminds us that there are brighter days ahead, we still have to go through the darkness. But God wants us to go through that darkness with an altogether hope. And like Mary, many find ourselves dealing with unplanned events that can turn our lives upside down. So where do we find hope in the midst of the stormy seas of life? Our hope is having the reality of Jesus Christ be born in us today. One name, Jesus, God with us. You see, over 2,000 years ago, hope showed up in a tiny little baby. The best symbol of hope there is. And God showed up in the last place anyone could possibly imagine where that baby would be chosen to be born in that place. Showing, up, showing us that there's no place on earth beyond hope's reach. Jesus, God with us, hope brought, for, brought us a future to where we would be redeemed. He brought us a hope for the present so that we were not alone, but we are loved and we find purpose in our presence. He brought us hope even over our past to where we are not defined by our failures and have a greater power to live in God's transformation and redemption. And when we're transformed, God calls us to be hope bearers, my friends. Therefore, as Christ's followers, we have this call to bear forth hope to others. Being a hope bearer is about pointing out those areas where God is already present and active. And in order to shine a light on those areas of hope in our lives, our community, our, our church, our world, we have to be looking for hope all around us, my friends, especially the hope that God gives. So I want to ask you, are you looking for hope? And when you find it, are you pointing people to that hope and proclaiming it with your existence? You see, the reality is we'll find whatever we're looking for. If we're focused on negative, if we're focused on worry, if we're focused on fear, if we're focused on despair, those things will begin to drudge in us. We'll get those things. However, if we choose to focus on hope, guess what? God helps us discover that hope in Him. And I don't know about you, but I want to choose hope in my circumstances, in the midst of despair, even when it appears that all is lost, even when it seems like hope is absent. The good news is that in Christ, hope can always be present. Because it's an eternal hope. God invites us to see and choose hope. Then, when we choose hope, we have to share that hope. How can we use our gifts, talents, and resources to point others toward hope? How can we, as Anderson Hills, share hope with all? We will be hope bearers to people around us right around us in these pews, in our homes, in our neighborhood, in our families, at our work. As followers of Jesus Christ, when we place our hope in Jesus, we trust that He is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And when we believe on Him, we have this hope. It's our hope that reminds us that we are not alone, and it's a hope that reminds us to tell others that they are not alone. We have a call to share it. The greatest hope the world has ever known. As I've been thinking about choosing hope, I spent some time this week considering the idea 
That hope gives us space to imagine what seems irrational at times. Hope really gives us imaginations to envision the miraculous, especially when it comes to the transformational and healing ministry of Jesus. You see, we have this hope to become invitational to the ministries where we find hope. And your invitational ways can prompt others and usher others into hope. It's simply maybe taking one of those cards and saying, you want to hear about the greatest hope ever? Come to Christmas services. We have six of them. (laughs) Come and experience that hope. Come to the cantata. Come to these places of hope where my hope is filled up. You see, if we have this hope, we become invitational. And it's that kingdom renewal that we experience and that revival that causes us to have packed services and ministries where potentially... Not everyone can fit into the building. We have to add ministries and programs to accommodate everyone who wants to participate. I have this hope in exponential growth for what God is doing here through the ministries of Anderson Hills and through you. And God chooses you to do that through to where people are fed and healed from you. Through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, when you choose hope, our eyes will be open to see the places where God is making a way where there seems to be no way. When we choose hope, we experience the power of God at work where what seems impossible becomes possible. When we choose hope, we discover the courage to boldly step into risk-taking mission and community-focused ministry, extending God's hope to the community. John Wesley, as, as the, the Advent, you heard about John Wesley's ministry of, of, in England, and I love the stories that come out of his hope-filled ministry, and he was an agent of this ho- altogether hope. I love the story about how he preached at the coal miners as they walked into the coal mines to, to work a, just a hard-ridden work day. And he would preach and he would wear his black robe. And sometimes they would throw things at him, tomatoes and rocks. And and one time he got hit in the nose and the blood was pouring down from his nose. And he leaned forward so he wouldn't get blood on his robe. But he was still proclaiming hope in those circumstances in, in that time. And those people experienced the hope of God. He did what God always does. Showed up. And brought hope to the people. You see, God calls us to go and carry hope and believe in Him with us, bringing those who are struggling into a hope from despair. Listen to what Paul says about hope. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, we boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Wow! Dynamite stuff! Hope never disappoints us. It never will. Why? Because an altogether hope, my friends, is a gift from God to you. Your hope 
is imperishable, unfading. It'll never go away in Christ Jesus. It'll never disappoint. Advent reminds us, reminds us that God ushered in true hope and complete hope and all together in hope in our world through the birth of that little tiny baby. And through Jesus, God offers the world a new hope. And through Jesus, we have a continual eternal hope. And through that new hope, with the power of the Holy Spirit, together we can expand God's kingdom. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to to be revealed in the last time. Peter says that the resurrection is the core of our hope. Resurrection life is living, breathing, always shouting out, do not be afraid. Paul helps fix his listeners, to an inheritance, like I said, that will never perish. And God is going to great lengths in order for us to get that. At this resurrection power, this treasure that we have, that we carry, can go into our existence and help us not fear a future. We have a different kind of hope. A hope that is bigger than any circumstance, my friends. A hope that is bigger than any of our human limitations. I hope that you can see this hope today because this hope is rooted in the one who will never fail you, who never changes, who's always in control, who's always good, who's always with us, who has overcome the world, and who is alive forever. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the greatest name of hope, Jesus Christ. My hope doesn't have to know how because I know who. My hope doesn't know, have to know why because I know who. My hope doesn't have to know when and where because I know who. I want to ask you a question. What are those places in your life you need to choose and embrace hope? What are those places in your life that you need to choose and embrace hope? I pray that you can choose hope, embrace hope, embody hope, and extend that hope. And may we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be hope bearers to ourselves and those around us. Let us pray. Almighty God, prepare our hearts to come to this table of hope. May we let go of that which doesn't belong so that your hope can be built in us as a solid rock to stand on. God, thank you for a hope that you give us that never perishes or never fades. It's a living, dynamic hope. And we pray that as we experience the ministry of your sacrament of Holy Communion, we can leave here forgiven and free to show and bear hope to all. And we pray this in your holy name.